All right, back to our study of Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. Jumping right in, can anybody tell me the three core values, according to Ted Tripp, the three uh, core values of biblical parenting? No, but communication is very important, and uh, it's coming up. We're going to do a big section on communication. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good good stab. So the first one is authority. Parents are authorities. Uh, we are God given authorities in our children's lives. We need not be ashamed of that, though the culture around us is maybe growing more and more ashamed of any authority at all. Uh, Neither should we abuse that authority. We are called to be kind, compassionate, firm, but loving servant authorities um, following Christ in the way that He wielded His authority as the Lord of glory and came to serve. So uh, we are authorities. We are also shepherds. That's the second core value. Parents are shepherds, which means not only that we're called to protect our children, you know, from the outside world, but also that we're called to teach them the truth, teach them uh, about their own sin, about the history of sin, and before that, the history of creation, and um, what sin has done to creation and to them. We're called to teach them about redemption in Christ, about how He's the only way to be saved, and, and about how God is restoring things to its proper order in Christ. Essentially, we're just called to teach them a biblical world and life view. We're called them to view things the way that God has told us they are. And the third core value of parenting, according to Ted Tripp, is that uh, biblical parenting is gospel-centered. Which, by this, he means not only that the gospel, the message of forgiveness of sins and, and eternal life with God in Christ... Not only are we to go back to that message over and over again, but also that we are seeking to apply that message to the hearts of our children. We broke down what is the heart. The heart involves our thinking, our feeling, and our doing. And so um, we're, we're just trying to engage our children's thoughts and their actions and their emotions and their desires and affections, all with the gospel, all with the Bible, Uh, so that we might be used to help them grow up to be transformed in Christ-likeness just as we are seeking to be. So does anybody have anything you want to share at this point that has really uh, stuck out to you in the study that's been helpful, immediately applicable? Uh-huh. And um, just about, you know, like yelling. When Andy's out of town, I yell entirely too much. Uh-huh. And um, that does nothing. Yeah. And so I feel like really, you know, I feel like you when you have kids, before you have them, you think through what you want to do. And then all of a sudden you get in the midst of it and you're in survival mode. Yeah. And so things start coming out and you're like, wait, this is not how I wanted it to go. Right. So I feel like it's a good... Andy and I are like, okay, let's stop. Uh-huh. Let's look at the end goal. Like, what are we trying to do here instead of just surviving? Yeah. 
My dad was asking me last night how the parenting uh, discussion is going, and I said, well, it's good. I mean, you know, I think it exposes for all of us that it hasn't gone quite like we hoped it would. (laughs) But on the other side, and he's able to speak into this, it's like, yes, but by God's grace, uh, you're actually able to influence much better than you deserve. You know? So it works the other way, too. Like, my dad feels that the same, and he went through a lot of that conviction late, like when we were grown, and he's looking back going, oh my gosh, imagine reading this book when you're done, you know, and you're like, oh wow, uh, we've really missed the mark here, but God's grace, I mean, that's, and so we have to constantly, for ourselves, be coming back to, like this isn't, I am called to take up my authority as a parent and and to seek to be faithful to you. And where I'm not, and where you're exposing I'm not, I'm called to repent and and walk in your ways. And yet, God's grace will shine forth. And uh, He will affect much greater than we are able to. And much better than we deserve. Um, That's our prayer. That's good, Aaron. Thank you. So, to this point, we've really been sketching a vision of biblical parenting, and we've had some application along the way, but um, we'll continue with sketching some of that vision. We're getting into some some methodology, uh, really kind of what not to do, I guess, today, but uh, methods of discipline and instruction. This uh, Chapter 7 is about discarding unbiblical methods. So, it's pretty convicting. I mean, I think we're going to go through some of that and I think we'll be able to find ourselves in, in each of them probably at some point. But then, uh, to James's point, chapters 8 through 12 are about embracing biblical methods. And there's three or four chapters on communication and the role of good communication. Uh, there's, of course, poor communication. We've all resorted to yelling, to trying to manage or control our kids that way. Um, and then another, so the, the biblical methods that he's really going to develop are communication and the rod. So we're going to talk about the rod. Uh, there's a chapter on that. But today, I thought we were do 7 and 8, but I think we'll have enough just for chapter 7. We're just going to talk about discarding unbiblical methods. Trip lists six unbiblical methods. I'm sure there are more. Uh, he says so himself, but let's at least work through... These six. The first one, in my own words, is repeating whatever you inherited. Um, you know, well, I didn't turn out so bad, and so maybe I'll just do what I saw done. And I think we all do that to some degree, but we can't do that without any thought to what we have inherited. Like, we have to go back and ask the question are the methods that we've inherited biblical? Were they operating from a biblical world and life view? Even if just by accident, that's okay. But, you know, we need to know, are we operating in God's paradigm? We can't just do what we've done. So, can anybody think of a scenario where maybe we would just default to a fault? Um, Inheriting, and this isn't time to like bash the parents, you know, but we've all done this somewhere. Uh-huh. Thing, you know, yeah. Our parents would, you know, why don't I have to do that because I told you so? Because I said so? Yeah. And now, I swear I'd never say that. Uh-huh. And I do. Mm-hmm. 
Now, so th- that's not that wrong. It's more the aspect of, you know, rather than just taking the extra second and explaining, all right, I need you to do this because, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's more about a lack of patience uh-huh. and tolerance on my part. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I mean, there is a way that we just because we don't, we just seek to control and manage, you know, with our tone, with our authority. You know, at the same time, God has called them to obey us, and we are responsible to lead them in that calling. So sometimes I think that's sufficient, but I do think there's a way we pervert that. Anybody else? Where we've inherited something? Mm-hmm. It's some, somehow it's like a, just like a, sometimes I won't think I just feel like do some finish punishment is normal it's okay yeah yeah I think in the United States everybody is saying okay you cannot do finish punishment but somehow I just feel like that maybe it's okay yeah well when we get to talk about the rod uh, there will be you know physical uh and I guess there is a sense in which it's punishment, although we're going to go into how discipline is really not punishment. It's not, we're not out to hurt them. Uh, but you're right. I mean, we're now in a culture where you kind of have to be careful where you talk about these things. Um, but there is a, there's obviously a way that we can go to excess with that, where we can do that in anger, where we can do that. And just like anything else, this is the way we're just going to seek to control our kids. We're just going to control them with pain. Um, and it's not going to be fruitful. So that's a good, that's a good one. Um, you know, one that I thought about where, I don't know if you remember, I sent out a GOL about asking for uh, responses on thoughts on education. As we're thinking through that. Our kids are small and all that. And uh, I've got a lot of responses. It was, it was a very good. Like 75 people responded, and, you know, so I had a lot of input and it took me a while to read through them. Um, but, I, you know, I, I have come across the thought process in, in kind of researching that uh, quite a bit, which is there's no perfect education, and I didn't turn out so bad, so, you know, we'll just do what we inherited. I mean, and, and I think regardless of what model method you choose you can't do that you know that's not a good way to do it we have to think through what is my responsibility before god and how does this fit in that can i apply that we have to with our own conscience come to a conviction before god and rethink these issues what if there was sinful neglect in what you inherited what if there was uh what if it was operated out of of sinful fear and not faith i mean we just these are things we have to work through. And um, yeah, you turned out okay by God's grace. But the thing that I thought about in that, or in, not just in school, but in anything, when we just take what we inherited, if you think about like, if you read the narratives of the kings in the scriptures, whether First and Second Kings or in the Chronicles or whatever it is, you know, there will be these kings where they did a lot of things right for reform, but they didn't tear down the high places. And what happens? Generationally, it gets way worse. So like, yeah, we did some things, but we didn't repent where repentance was needed. 
So whatever we're dealing with, wherever God exposes, you know, there was probably some lack generationally. There's always going to be lack in the previous generation. Our kids are, you know, we're going to, they're going to have a class like this and they're going to be talking about these things. They're going to look back at us and be like, yeah, mom and dad didn't really nail it on everything. That's okay. By God's grace, generationally, we will continue, but we have to, where there is sin, we have to ask God to show it and go in repentance from there. Um, so, the next unbiblical method Tripp mentions is that of pop psychology and behavior modification. We've talked about this. Uh, one of the examples he mentions here is bribery. Now, who hasn't employed this method at some point? Uh, in order to get your child to behave a certain way, you bribe. Or, your child isn't behaving in a way you like, so you bribe. Uh, I'll get you this, I'll buy you that, you know, whatever it is. Uh, another related example he mentions is contracts, meaning the parent issues a contract, whether verbal or written, probably mostly verbal, so that the child understands, if I do this, I get this. If I clean my room, I get time on the iPad. If I wash the dishes, I get ice cream or whatever contract there is. So what is wrong with these approaches? To do the, do this so and get that, and right? Yeah, you know, if you do your chores or whatever, then you get an allowance for that, right? And you can teach them money management, right? And like use that as a tool, yeah. But if if it's always a contract, then that's not helpful. Yeah. But there are tools that you can use in that. Sure. <laughs> so what would be wrong with that being your kind of uh, mode of operation? This is how we do things. I mean, they only do something if they receive something. So that's right. It's not relationship to you. Instead of just teaching them to work hard. Yeah, you're right. That's what we do. Yeah. Go ahead. What is, it's not addressing the heart. Okay. You're right. Well, and it also teaches them just resiliency only on themselves. Yeah. And they don't see any grace or mercy to that. It's, I earned that, I did that. It's all about what they did to get the reward or yeah. whatever the case might be. Yeah. And I'm with you. I mean, there's some, like, you're getting, part of the way that we work, we, we earn things, right? I mean, now, we have to, whatever we earn, we have to come back to the position of it's all gift. I mean, where'd you get that work ethic? Where'd you get that opportunity? So that's part of what we have to teach. Um, you know, but at the same time, like, I would argue that if this is the way that I agree with him, I mean, if this is the way we do things, you do your chores, you get iPad or whatever, and that's just kind of the way we roll, the, it's wrong because we're, we're really preying on their sinful heart. We're teaching them, um, you know, to serve themselves, essentially. Like, we do this for the things that we get for me, like Aaron said. And um, instead of, Remember, one of the big things about this is we're trying to connect all of life to their relationship with God. And so we're teaching them work for the glory of God. We're teaching them to connect everything with their relationship to God, the responsibility that they have before Him 
to serve Him, to serve other people. Um, so if we're teaching them to love God, to love others, uh, and we address the sin in the heart when it's not happening that way, right? Which is often. Uh, it's often for us, probably more often for them. But again, when there is a selfish motive, we don't want to cultivate those selfish motives. I think we might do that with the whole you do this, you get that thing, because it's about me. But instead, we're teaching them about work and responsibility before God and repentance for their sin and faith in Him. Anyway, uh, those methods can really neglect to teach anything about God and, and responsibility before God. All right, the next unbiblical method Tripp mentions is emotionalism. Um, again, all of these, I think, to some degree, are just seeking to modify behavior. I mean, I think we're really missing the heart. Uh, the tactic has just changed here. So maybe the parent says to the child, it makes me sad when you do this. Um, the goal being to manipulate behavior. It's not always wrong to share your desires with your kids and stuff like that. But like, you know, you're, you're trying to, um, mommy's really sad or daddy's really sad when you do this. And you're trying to kind of control their behavior with... Uh, you know, your emotions. Another way that people do this is you get mad, so you give your kids the cold shoulder. Um, you know, can't talk right now, you've really made me mad, maybe they don't know why, so they're coming back and like, what did I do? And I can't talk right now, you're getting the cold shoulder. Um, so on the one hand, maybe we try to manipulate with communicating our feelings. On the other hand, maybe we try to manipulate with wearing our feelings on our sleeve, um, like staying mad and not talking to them. What is wrong with these approaches? Well, I think one big thing is just sort of in a general psychology sort of part is that you make that child responsible for my feelings, Mm -hmm. which is just not okay. You know, even Jason's not responsible for my feelings. He's responsible for his actions, Right. And I can let him know how that affected my feelings, but right. he's not responsible yeah. for my feelings. That's and right. I can't make my kid responsible for my feelings, even when they push me. That, <laughs> That's right. Hmm, and when it's their fault that I'm yeah. upset, um, I can't, you know, make them responsible for my feelings. That's a great and, point. Um, you know, and so I think it's okay to communicate about your feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, Mama's gonna need a minute. Uh huh. Mama's having trouble with my feelings right now, and we're going to have to talk about this in about five minutes yeah. after I've had a little quiet time to get under control. Yeah. So I think it's okay to express that I indeed have feelings, and mm-hmm. they are indeed related to you and your behavior, but not to make them responsible. Um, and that you do have to go back and, and connect that if you have strong emotions that are being displayed. Mm-hmm have to talk about what's going on in their heart, in my heart. Right. You know, I have to seek forgiveness if I blow up and all of that. Even if they put the squeeze on and helped you. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And again, we're not, we're missing the whole point of what we're trying to do because this isn't about me. Right. It's about them and God. And when we make it about me, we get in the place of God. Right. Right? And so, um, I know the feeling. <laughs> I think we all do. We know the temptation to make it about us and them. And of course, 
we're involved here. Uh, but ultimately, what we're try- where are we trying to shepherd their hearts in relationship with God? This will take care of itself when this is uh, locking in. So when we do the whole emotional thing and it's about me and my feelings and how they're making me feel, whether I'm speaking it or just showing it, we're missing the whole point of what we're trying to do, which is, is there sin involved? Well, then we need to address the sin and we need to take them to God. And then we have an opportunity to instruct in the gospel and, and those sorts of things. Again, it's not wrong to communicate feelings with our kids. I just think that the, the tactic is often employed at the expense of addressing sin at all and, and, and bringing them back to God. We're just, again, we're trying to manage behavior with our emotions. And um, that's not what we're... After. Was well, a better way to address that then, Chris, rather than talking about my emotions and how it makes me feel the same? How do you think this makes God feel when you act like this? Or would you do this? What do you yeah. think God thinks about that? Yes, because ultimately then you're engaging them. They know, because they have a conscience, they know, I think, more often than not, when they're in sin. So if, if they're sinning, and you are seeking to address that, you can say, how does this affect your relationship with God? How is God, does He feel about this? And they would not good. But that, then there's an open door to talk about sin, and they're already experiencing some measure of, I don't know if it's full-blown conviction, but there's some kind of sorrow, you know, and this is, can happen from a young age. But then you have a gospel opportunity. And ultimately, that's what we're trying over and over again, is to come back to communicating about their relationship with God, keeping Him, you know, we're all sinners and we all tend to try to live this life apart from God, uh, on our own, not thinking about Him at all. So one of the things, we're just trying to get them thinking about Him a lot and ultimately then communicating His grace to them um, and teaching them what's wrong. You know, a lot of times I think kids can feel, well, I know something's wrong because mom or dad is mad, but I really don't know what's wrong. I remember someone telling me one time, I don't think you've ever been told no. And I was like, I thought about that a long time. I thought, you know, I think actually I was told no a lot. I was never told what to do instead or what was wrong with what I was doing. So I think that's kind of where we have to help fill in the gaps. Defining sin the way the Bible does, uh, teaching them what is the right way instead, teaching them the problem of sin, the grace of God, all of that. Okay, uh, one thing too, and this is just interesting to me, you know, with his, uh, he's like a Christian psychologist, so he has this um, whole world of psychology background and understands some of the trajectories of these things, but that whole emotionalism, he, he talks about how that can really cultivate some long-term issues like need for approval. So maybe you've been in a scenario like this, maybe you grew up in a scenario like this, but you know, mom or dad was mad and you knew they were mad and it bothered you that they were mad and you wanted to talk about why are you mad, but they couldn't talk about why, you know, so it was just, it breeds this kind of distance and frustration they're just cold shouldering and, and whatever. Um, you know, and then let's, so here's a scenario. Let's say there's a little girl that grew up in that environment. And then she's in 
college and she becomes sexually promiscuous and the classic answer is I don't know how she got there she wasn't raised this way you know I mean we all know how they get there we're sinners and we all have sin in our heart but I think according to what he's saying we can make the connection that that if if that was this emotionalistic parenting technique was kind of prominent in the home it was actually priming her for that because it was controlling you with behaviors which creates this need to connect but we're never able to connect because of the cold shoulder thing and like I know you're mad but I don't know why you're mad and we're never able to talk about it so I have this growing need for approval and now I'm just putting that somewhere else with boys or whatever so it's actually very connected I just think there's some wisdom in that there's there's to, to understand again because really then what we're doing is we're making it about us and they're wanting our approval um, and we're not giving it to them. But biblical discipline, our children will know that they have our love and approval. They will know that we're concerned and, and upset about certain things because of the sin involved. But ultimately, it's a coming back together as we instruct, as we give them the gospel over and over again. And so there's affirmation involved in that instead of the distance that is bred with the I'm just going to wear my emotions on my sleeve and hope it takes. You know, I think it will take. It just may not take in the direction that we want. And I feel like too, I think that is 100% on, but I think it creates this unnecessary pressure. And then they just break. Because yeah. they know, like, I can't make everybody happy. Yeah. And so I think the breaking down leads them also to sin of just like, I, I can't do this. Yeah. I give up. And that's where I think we as parents have to be real open and honest with our sin and you know sharing hey I, I messed up here you know, yeah my sin and I know that I've got to see redemption you know and, or I have the redemption through Christ and here's why I'm okay with that because I yeah. know that you know his mercy has taken care of that for me already but I still have to fix it I've got to work on it yeah, I, I have to address what's there, what he's exposing. I mean, and to your point, I think the best way we can lead them in, we want them to respond in repentance. Ultimately, we're dependent on God's grace for that, right? We're praying, we're working for it and praying for it all the same. But the best way we can teach them what that looks like is when we sin against them, we repent. And we get down on their level and we confess our sin eye to eye. And we tell them how we've sinned, why that doesn't glorify God, but the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And pray right there. I mean, talk about engaging the heart. Like when they see us humble ourselves that way, that's the way we, I think, can model this. And then there's going to be times when it's time to instruct and it's time to enforce. Um, but we can ultimately lead that. Very good. The next unbiblical method, the last one, is that he talks about is uh, punitive correction, and we've talked about this a bit. We'll talk about it more when we get to the rod and how it's not for punishment. Um, But, you know, discipline is not punishment, it's grace. This is God's grace being ministered to them. Uh, Punitive correction doesn't discipline, it punishes. So, this is using either the threat of punishment or actual punishment, again, to control our children. This has been a theme, so I'm going to write this up here. Um, Jonathan Todd showed me this. It may, may or may not be helpful for you, but it was for me. Um, if I could remember it. Let's see. Power. 
power changes um, control coats authority rules or you could say effects alright who has the power to change God, Holy Spirit. We can't do that. I think we try. We can't. Nothing we can do for that. God has to change their hearts. We tend to try to control. We want to manage behavior, right? We yell. We All the different examples that we've used, I think all of these are some that we get emotional and we want to control. But all control is doing is it's, it's coping. It's, it's staying at the behavior level. It's just trying to kind of keep things uh, in order and manage. It's not getting the heart. But authority, which God has given us, that's the sweet spot. Authority affects change. Authority, when it's owned properly and, and wielded properly, it's good. It affects. Uh, we all have within us this longing, I think, to be under godly authority. And especially as children. So uh, this is the sweet spot to own, you know, we don't want any of that, but that's where we tend to camp out. We pray for God to change their heart. We take up the responsibility that he's given us, own the authority that he's given us, and, and exercise that authority in the ways that he instructs us to um, exercise it. But the whole control thing, we want to be in control. We're not in control. God's in control. And, and we try to become these little gods uh, but it's not fruitful. I think anyone, if we read this stuff, we talk about it. I mean, we're all exposed in this, right? And praise God that um, we get to come back to remember each and every time His grace is sufficient. We've all fallen short of His glory in every area of our life. I think if you study your parenting for more than five minutes, you know you've fallen short in this area of your life. But... God in His kindness sent His Son to live a perfect life that we have not lived, to die a substitutionary death for all of our sins. They're all paid for, past, present, and future. They're done. And, and in that, we engage with God in our heart, in our thoughts, in our uh, feeling, in our actions, and we walk in repentance and faith in Christ, and ultimately, this lowers us. We need to be lowered. We need to be humbled a little bit. And in humility, we can exercise the authority that God has given us, um, you know, ultimately to, to lead them to Him. So, uh, one last thing. We're, we're pretty much out of time, but we'll talk a little bit about this whole punitive correction thing. Um, actually, we have two last things, and we're, gonna, we're just going to stop there. I'll pray. Does anybody have any last thoughts? Yeah. So back to the um, I didn't turn out so bad. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I've struggled with with that is um, that we have kind of from pretty early on felt like okay we need a, a good plan and I read this book when the, when the kids were little and we've we've tried to 
to do to do some of these ideas and really let biblical principles guide our parenting, which is very different from what my parents did. Mm-hmm. And we have the opportunity to see the grandparents a lot, and they have the opportunity to observe that we are doing things differently. Mm-hmm. And I get the question often, well, you didn't turn out so bad. Yeah. What's wrong with what we did? Why are you choosing not to parent your children the way we parented you? We still like you. You didn't turn out so bad. What's wrong with yeah. our style? So what do you think would be a good biblical response to honor your father and mother and yet reject their um, style of parenting? Anybody want to give it a shot? <laughs> Blake. You're kidding, right? <laughs> That's all I got. Well, I think you can do better than that. Uh, I would say, you know... By God's grace, I didn't turn out bad. And that's not, Mom, really. But I mean, honestly, that's what we believe, right? And it's not to say that you did everything wrong. It's just to say that we're trying to go back, and you can affirm them. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for sheltering me and clothing me and feeding me and affirming me. And, you know, there's a, there's so much. We tend to be critical of our parents, but truly, you know what? Go look at some uh, some of the other scenarios that are out there, and then reevaluate and look back and be thankful. I mean, and so I think one of the things that you should do is affirm and be thankful and say these are all the things that we actually have inherited that we are continuing. <laughs> but truly, it is by God's grace that I turn out okay. We've all failed. There, there were things that were not done well, and I'm trying to learn from those, and I'm trying to... I mean, I'm saying it this way because this is the exact conversation I've had with my folks. And I try to do it in a loving way. It's not super... I don't do it in a way I think... I think I did at first probably just prideful. But I try to do it in a way that affirms them. Um, they took you to church, right? And so you, you can affirm even just what God is doing generationally and that God fills in the gaps you know I mean he's he's bringing the good and he's going to help fill in some of the gaps generationally I don't know it, if it's received in humility it can be received well I mentioned my dad earlier I think I've told you guys this before but we went to a conference together about God manhood and ministry uh, John Piper, Desiring God Pastors Conference. When I was 26 years old, I think we were expecting Levi, our first child. We've been married a couple years. My dad has two grown sons. Very different. He's hearing this whole conference, and it was hard hitting. I mean, it was like very bold and tough, um, but very good. Well, I'm receiving this on the front end like eating it up. Just so thankful that I get to be thinking about these things as I launch into this lifetime of marriage and, and uh, you know fatherhood and ministry and all these things. Well, my dad is receiving them very differently. He was crushed. Crushed. He was so convicted after one of the sessions, he literally couldn't pick his face from looking at the ground. And he, all he could say to me 
was, I need some time. And he went in a prayer room by himself for quite some time. So like, all I would say is, now, we're not power changes. Okay, We're not the power. We don't have to communicate these things in a way that seeks to punch. But if God is at work, there will be a humility to be able to own where we've sinned. And my, that was, that's one of the most helpful things to me that has ever happened. And may we remember it when we become grandparents because we are not that great and, and we're going to fall short. And, but He has, in humility, owned where He sinned. And you know what? It's in the areas where I thought He had probably sinned. Whether being passive or you know whatever it is. But in repentance... He can own that. He's in Christ. You know, it's all covered. And and then what's so helpful about that is he affirms the direction that we're trying to head. Now, I think that's an ideal scenario. It's probably not the norm. And I understand the tension of what you're talking about. But I think we have to be bold in what we're trying to do and just say, you know, we're just trying to work through this thing. And like we're coming to these conclusions and we see God's word says this. And so we're trying to apply it. And also affirm what you've inherited where it's good. I hope that's helpful. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and this time together. Thank you for uh, your word and the very high call that we have as parents to uh, raise our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Lord, we confess freely that we are sinners and we have not done this to Your standard. Uh, Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank You that Your grace comes in many forms, uh, sometimes to convict and correct, but sometimes to empower in the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray You'd give us Your Spirit and give us wisdom to follow You in Your paths. And we pray that You'd help us not to try to be the power in our children's lives and not to try to control their behavior, but just to own the authority and responsibility You've given us. And we pray that by Your power, Holy Spirit, You would affect change in their hearts. Um, we pray that You, O Sovereign Lord, would uh, we know You're in control of all things, and, and we pray that You would manage these things. We know we can't. God, we just thank You for the fact that we are uh, in a body of believers together, that we get to flesh this out together, might... Um, this leave a hopeful taste in our mouths as we consider your grace and uh, consider uh, what you have committed to us and our children. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Church starts in 11 minutes.